Welcome to the Viewpoint Podcast with your host, Henry Grosek. Welcome to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grosick. It's a great pleasure to welcome co-host Russell Hanby to our regular weekly segment, What's Making News. Welcome again to uh, uh, What's Making News, Russell Hanby. Thanks, Henry. How have you been this past week? Yes, been pretty well, yes. They can't complain, and uh, the weather's a bit cooler now, so it's much fresher, isn't it, for doing things? Yeah, look, it's, uh, as we've said before, I think Melbourne in autumn, um, and, and we're mindful of, of not saying it too loudly, knowing what's happening up uh, further up, and we'll be talking about that, the East Coast, Sydney, Brisbane, etc. Our, our, our friends and, and, and uh, fellow Australians up there are doing it extremely tough. But Melbourne in autumn, generally speaking, and this is another one, it's just beautiful. You get the crisp mornings, the sunny days, the light breezes and uh, stable weather pretty much, and uh, um, it's it's very enjoyable. It'd be like that up in the hills, wouldn't it, Russell? Yes, yeah, nice cool starts, and often it still warms up to the, the mid-20s at this stage, so it's still very pleasant, yes. What is it? The season of mists and mellow fruitfulness. That's right, yes. Well, which, that sounds which, very famous, which famous... Um, UK poet, British poet, um, said those lines. Oh, mists and mellow fruitfulness. Oh, sounds very good. But, uh, it's a beautiful like Og- line, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I don't know who said it. I was thinking Ogden Nash. I don't know if it, is he English. I don't know. Anyway, who? But Ogden Nash. Have you heard of him? Yes, I've heard of Ogden Nash, but Ogden Nash uh, is not uh, the person. No. What makes you pick him? Oh, because he had the poem we had to learn in grade six uh, about spring, very similar. Well, we spring the sweet spring as the year's pleasant king had started off. Really? Oh, yes. well, I would have thought you would have known known this person. It's it's a reference to um, it's a reference to autumn, obviously. And it's uh, I'll just I'll just uh, read you a few lines of it. It's it's not too long a poem, but it's by see if you can work out who it is. It's a poet who lived from 1795 to 1821, and it's uh, it's to autumn. Surprise, surprise. And it starts with that line, season of mists and mellow fruitfulness, close bosom friend of the maturing sun, conspiring with him how to load and bless, with fruit the vines that round the thatch eaves run, to bend with apples the mossed cottage trees, and fill all fruit with ripeness to the core, to swell the gourd and plump hazel shells with a sweet kernel, to set budding more and still more later flowers for the bees until they think warm days will never cease for summer has all brimmed their clammy cells who hath not seen thee oft amid thy store sometimes whoever seeks abroad may find thee sitting carelessly on a granary floor the hair soft lifted by the winnowed wing wind or on a half-reaped furrow sound asleep Drowse with a fume of poppies while they hook. Spare the next swathe and all its twined flowers. And sometimes like a gleaner thou dost keep. Steady thy laden head across a brook. Or by a cider press with patient look. And it goes on further. 
But what a beautiful line at the beginning. Seasons of mists and mellow fruitfulness. I think it's one of those beautiful evocative lines. It's To Autumn by John Keats. Oh, John, John Keats. Keats. Oh, right. Yes, and because it creates a great word picture, doesn't it? Uh, it all does. And sadly, he wasn't with us for too long. He only lived to be, uh, what, uh, 27 years old. Mm, yes. Yeah, why, back then, why, did, why did Keats die so young? I mean, we're doing some, I'm saving you some work here. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Why did he die? Many people didn't live that long in those no. times. I don't know. Did he have uh, a, a nasty disease uh, befell him or something? Yes, he did. John Keats, what? an English poet. He was a romantic poet. He died of tuberculosis. I, I was just going to say that. Yes, mm. I've got him ahead of you there. Born in yeah, a lot of people in that those centuries lived a very uh, short age, didn't they? Yes, Young age. yes. He was one of the romantics, and he died young. Um, an interesting thing about him, Russ, he wasn't a very tall man. He was only five foot one inch tall, or one point five five meters tall. Oh, right. That's interesting. Mm. Yeah, but a but one of the acclaimed poets of his time, and I've always loved that line. It's just so evocative. And that's not what's making news. What's making news is other things, and you might like to take the lead one in, Russell. It's uh, Well, it's one that's consuming the world at the moment, and uh, it's pretty gloomy, isn't it? That's right. Um, this war is sadism, the fight to survive the bombs. Uh, Galenia Rastana couldn't run to take cover when her apartment block was hit by a Russian airstrike. The 86-year-old lifelong Kharkiv resident is frail and can no longer walk, so she just lies there. And uh, yes, uh, her apartment was on the top floor of an apartment block was destroyed when a nearby military school was targeted. Uh, Putin says her town is to be liberated from Ukraine, but uh, the opposite seems to be the case to, to destroy it, isn't it, according to people that are there. Uh, a lack of precision with these aerial bombs uh, that uh, just rely on their free-fall trajectory, just like the bombs-away bombs of the Second World War. They, of course, uh, don't have the precision of uh, guided missiles, and uh, they're causing a lot of collateral damage, and a lot of uh, citizens, plain people, are, are being um, killed, aren't they, and injured. Mm. And um, these Russians, they're dropping what military call, they're called dumb bombs, bombs that simply rely on their free-fall trajectory to wreak maximum destruction. It's, uh, but on the broader scale, um, it's an appalling war and one which uh, um, I can't see any light at the end of the tunnel for anyone on that one, Russell. Can you? No. Most, most people, I think it'll... Uh be bad news for Ukraine. I mean, I have heard some pundits saying that uh, there will be a withdrawal eventually of Russian troops and there'll be some political uh, agreement made so that Putin doesn't seem to lose face. But it's very hard to see that at this stage, isn't it? Yeah, look, I think the it, it's they've certainly misread the situation completely in, in the way they've handled it. Um, and look, it's just an act of war, whichever way you look at it. They are a sovereign country, irrespective of what um, Vladimir Putin thinks of the situation from the historical context. And um, I can understand his, his wariness of NATO, but uh, uh, on the geopolitical scene, but at the same time... Uh, it's 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 un- completely unjustifiable in the slaughtering of civilians. Um, it's 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 just 
well, a war crime isn't too harsh a word to use, and I think they're instigating all that uh, sort of process. Um, but where it all ends, and at the end of the day, um, how many more people are going to die, and the, and the country's being... I mean, how many decades will it take to rebuild? Well, that's right. Yes, it's, uh, many, you'd think, and, and uh, it may never recover, might it, you know, back into its former self anyway. It may never. And the other thing, too, if you look at modern history of wars, Russell, and the Russians were in Afghanistan for eight years, the Americans for longer. We had the Vietnam War, which was around uh, the conscription times. I'm well aware of that one. We've had the uh, Iraqi war. What happens, and, and, and many others around the world, uh, what ends up happening is you end up in a, a, an, an urban guerrilla warfare situation which, which ends up wreaking more harm and damage to everybody and the invaders more often than not end up going out with their tails between their legs and leaving a, a path of terrible destruction and also pain for their own people. That's right, so, yes. So what's the point? Yes, it's pointless, isn't it? It seems to be something once it's started, they can't get out of it. But uh, it's, you wonder what the thinking is there, don't you, really, sometimes? Yes, no, I have my own theory, Russell. The major powers um, play these geopolitical games and we all get caught up as pawns in their proxy wars all over the place or direct wars. Um, my family come from Europe. Um and I'm very familiar with the Second World War and, you know, there's too many echoes of that in what's going on at the moment. Uh, and uh, sadly, it must be flaws in the human condition, Russ, because um, people say we never learn. Well, uh, technologically we might be brilliant, but um, our DNA and our tribalism, etc., on other levels, um, this just keeps on repeating uh, itself and it's... Uh, it's it's just a sad indictment, isn't it? It is, yes. You'd hope, like, after the big major world wars, that would be the end of it. But, of course, there's been skirmishes in many places since, and, and now this one. It, uh, people seem to not learn from the past, do they, you know? Yeah, no, I remember being a little kid in primary school, and we they used to talk about the Great War, to, the war to end all wars. I can remember as a kid listening That's, to that. Well, yes, my... Yes. Goodness, you know, if that was the war, the Great War, I don't know if we're great, but um, it was a huge war and um, I don't know that we've had many years of peace in between across the globe. So are we capable of learning? I think that's a better question. Yes, it is. And you wonder if it just needs one person, assumably it looks like just one person from Russia running the show, uh, it can set it all off, can't it? Yeah, well, I don't. I think the one person represents um, a group of people who support that person, and there's, uh, you know, I mean, the person can't be doing it without having the support of uh, very powerful other people. It's, um, I mean, whether you're a dictator or not, you've still got to have people backing you until they get sick of backing you, don't you? In, yes, in our you system, do. in our system, of course, the prime minister or the president makes decisions, but the they're elected by people over there. They have a different form of election. But at the end of the day, if Putin was on his own as a complete and utter isolate, I wouldn't think this would be happening because people must be supporting him, mustn't they? 
You, th- you think so, yes. You don't hear too much about who they are, but uh, you'd have to think that, wouldn't you? Mm, I just hope it. Um, I hope um, sanity prevails and the Ukraine isn't completely obliterated before this ends. We need to take a short break, Russ. Can you hold that line? We've gone from poetry to war all in the first ten minutes. I mean, there you go. Talk about one extreme to the other. Welcome to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grossacker, in the second half of What's Making News with co-host Russell Hanby. Welcome back, Russell. Thanks, Henry. Your turn, Russell. Uh, fewer than two in five kids in some Melbourne's northern suburbs have rolled up their sleeves for a COVID jab. Now, Health Minister Greg Hunt is now reigniting his push for school-based vaccination programs after experts met last week to discuss new ways to speed up the vaccination rollout for children. And uh, in particularly in Melbourne, in Hume, which includes the suburbs of Broadmeadows, Craigieburn, Mickleham and Sunbury, only 37.8% of the 5 to 11-year-olds have had their first dose. Now, other parts of uh, Victoria, Melbourne, uh, for instance, the uh, local government area, 72% there. And in Queenscliff, a much smaller municipality with 70.4% of the young children who've had their first uh, dose. Now, at least half of the 79 local government authorities across Victoria have had a rate between 50 to 60%. And in fact, since the introduction of Pfizer on January the 10th, 54.8% of the 5 to 11-year-old Victorians have had their first dose. Uh, The Australian average is a little bit lower at 50.6. So you can say just on average, just over half of the eligible young children have had their first dose. And as we said, Health Minister... Greg Hunt wants school-based programs rolled out. It says this would be the biggest boost to jabs in arms. Um, the Premier, Daniel Andrews, because it, he doesn't want to go along with that, we don't obey everything he says, the Health Minister, but he wants the 5 to 11-year-old vaccination rate to be higher if he wants these mask rules to be eased for the years three to six. So um, they're trying to increase the number of, uh, or the, way, the rate, aren't they, in that area? Yeah, look, you know what's interesting from my perspective, Russell, being a little older, is how our attitudes towards vaccines, uh, there's always been opposition to them, but how in, you know, the last 30 years, um, our, our attitudes, and most recently, have flipped with, uh, with um, the coronavirus uh, virus, how we've flipped to so many people... Um, being very reticent about having their kids vaccinated uh, because there was far greater support for vaccinations um, not that long ago when you had uh, smallpox, diphtheria, whooping cough, um, tuberculosis, to mention just a few. There were so many of them that, and, and we didn't have this um, resistance to take up, but but there seems to be this resistance. And then, of course, we've got that very vocal anti-vaxxer group out there for the adults as well, and the freedom fighters. It's a it's a real turnaround on public attitude to not so long ago towards something which, uh, for so long, most people have felt has been a boon for humanity. Yes, and in fact, I think I read that the uh, the, the those other vaccinations is over ninety five percent. I think of young people have had their uh, triple antigens and things for those other. But this one, uh, it's still going, isn't it? Now, whether there was some theory I heard that on Hume that was an area hit by coronavirus, so maybe some of these kids have had the virus and can't have their first jab. But you think that'd explain that more clear if that was the case, wouldn't you? 
Absolutely. It's certainly it's certainly puzzling. And as a person who works in the education system, you know, I'd welcome uh, greater enthusiasm among parents to vaccinate their children because we see the wash-up of it in schools uh, that uh, the more kids who are not vaccinated, the greater the rate of kids who are getting COVID. Uh, and, of course, that becomes disruptive to the family and, of course, potentially to, um, well, to teachers too because... Uh, we can still catch it whether we're vaccinated or not, but the rates of the unvaccinated is always high and appear to be more severe. Russell, um, Sydney is smashed. You know, we're talking about our wonderful autumnal weather, but um, floods kill again as New South Wales disaster bill exceeds 1.4 billion and it's continuing. Uh, a mother and son were killed. Thousands of people ordered to evacuate and roads resembled rivers after Sydney was smashed by heavy rain and flash flooding on Tuesday and it's continued throughout the week. It's abating a bit uh, as the week gets to the end, but my goodness, it's been terrible. It has, yes. It started really in Brisbane and that area and north of Brisbane and then just went down that uh, east coast uh, to Sydney and uh, Sydney certainly copped it uh, over the last uh, few days of this week, hasn't it? Uh, 40,000 people in New South Wales at least have been forced to evacuate their homes and the uh, the town or city of Camden had to be evacuated amid fears the Nepean River would rise to 15 millimetres, 15 metres, 15 metres, at 12 metres already, houses and businesses were completely underwater with cars floating downstream and we've seen pictures of that uh, every night in the news. Now the rain, as you say, is tipped to move into the, the Tasman Sea in coming days and uh, looking further uh, north of that, Lismore is in urgent need of tradespeople to help rebuild the city. As we talked about uh, Ukraine, uh, it's another ravaged, this is a different uh, nature ravaged area isn't it lismore it'll take years probably to rebuild that city yeah. in fact damage the damage bill in new south wales is estimated to be more than 1.4 billion dollars so uh, can't even think of what that means but uh, it certainly had a lot of uh, a lot of wetness and tragedy up there yes and of course it raises all sorts of political questions such as and we're hearing them this week uh, has the support from the federal government and the state government in terms of emergency relief, has that been adequate enough? And uh, are the calls for mateship and us all crowdfunding, which has come from certain quarters in the federal government, the solution to essential services needs? And, of course, the other one is, um, should we be building in flood-prone areas as much as we are? Um, and what does all this mean in terms of climate change? So there's a lot of issues involved in that and one that uh, hopefully once uh, once we get on top of it in Sydney or at debates um, are questions that we can answer better in the future. Um, Russell, new fathers shun paid parental leave offer in the age. Only half the fathers eligible for taxpayer-funded paid parental leave are taking it. The move, the government says, shows the opting, they're opting to lose the benefit. But the economists say this demonstrates the scheme isn't generous enough. Well, which one is it, Russell? Well, well, it's probably a bit of both, isn't it? The Angela Jackson of the Impact Economics says overseas evidence has shown that parental leave must offer more time and money for Australians to get... Uh, closer to equal take-up between mothers and fathers. The take-up by, well, there's more or less agreeing that mothers are the main 
primary uh, carer, I suppose, and fathers traditionally second. Uh, that's changing as we go on. But, uh, yeah, the rate of fathers taking up the leave is uh, just a bit more than half the number of mothers. And uh, they say, well, it's because they uh, the time from fathers and partners is only two weeks at the same minimum wage rate of about $772.20 a week, whereas uh, the primary carers, uh, mainly mothers, can receive 18 weeks leave. And that's uh, one of the main reasons why fathers uh, aren't looking uh, to do it. Also, uh, the rigmarole you've got to go through through Centrelink and that is probably not worth the, the issue for a couple of weeks. So mm. there's a few reasons there, isn't yeah, there? And there may also be residual historical ambivalence on men to take uh, paid parental leave. Now, the odd spot, Russell. This is yes. A, I thought <laughs> you'd like this one. <laughs> well... <laughs> A have-a-go hero had to be rescued after he climbed a tree to rescue a cat that was stuck in the branches but couldn't get down himself. To make matters worse, the firefighters who helped Indianapolis teenager Owen to the ground left the feline up there, meaning its owner had to hire a private company to rescue it. Now, the cat seemed to enjoy the commotion but made no effort to climb down the tree, said uh, firefighting battalion chief Rita Reith. So they didn't uh, stay around to rescue the cat. They just uh, rescued the boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, they had to rescue the boy, I guess. Cat, you wonder whether the cat could get down by itself if it wanted to anyway, but apparently all's well. The cat got rescued. The fire brigade saved the owner who climbed up the tree and couldn't get down. I think he'll think twice before he goes to rescue his cat again, and all is well. Russell, that's uh, time gone for us this week. Um, some, some, some troubling things. And I hope there's better news on the Ukraine front in uh, in a week's time, and also that um, the floods are finally abating. And uh, as we move forward, uh, we make some decisions to mitigate against those in the future in all manner of ways. You have a yes. great weekend, my friend, and we'll speak with you again in a week's time. Okay, we'll look forward to it. That was Russell Hanby and What's Making News with me, listeners. We'll take a short break. Don't go away. You've been listening to the Viewpoints Podcast, hosted by Henry Grossek and produced by Rob Kelly. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review and rate us via Apple Podcasts. 